Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to be beginning our reading in the very first verse of Daniel. This is a very familiar text of Scripture, and I know that. And there is a there is sometimes in a preacher's mind a risk at um, addressing familiar passages of Scripture, and yet there is a reason these are familiar. So uh, sometimes even just having a different person read it makes us think differently, which is what happened to me yesterday morning in this service. So uh, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. So he, he captured Jerusalem. Um, and basically, we know that it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. It was God giving his people into Babylonian captivity. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, which I dwelt on quite a bit. I'm going to try to restrict my comments here because I've been, like I say, sometimes when I preach on a text, I, I just can't wait to get to the pulpit. But um, it's very obvious that what what Judah, the God's people would have considered negative, God did on purpose. Um, sometimes we look at our lives and we wonder, why, why am I in this spot? And God means it for good. So um, uh, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, verse 2, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Wow. There's a lot there. There's just a lot there. The vessels of the worship of God into the treasure house of a pagan God. Um, and the king spake, how gracious God is, how patient God is. <laughs> and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel. Now, I highlighted the word children because isn't that interesting? That's where God works. That's where we pray for our children, and our enemy knows that he needs to address the children. So on a regular basis here on this call, we pray for our kids. We pray for the children. We pray for the grandchildren. We pray for the youth, and we ought to um, pray. I mean, And just as an overriding thought here, uh, as we get into this matter of Daniel, I've often thought of, of this. I mean, I've often, this has also often been an intrigue to me. We, we, his parents are not mentioned. Daniel's parents are not mentioned. But what must Daniel's parents have taught Daniel so that he ended up strong for the Lord? I mean, there could be a whole sermon series on what the parents must have taught Daniel so that Daniel's response was not selfish but for the glory of the Lord, uh, even in the face of hostility, even in the face of a very oppressive culture. So certain of the, uh, the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace. So these are leaders. These are promising young people. These are promising future leaders. 
And the way we want them to lead is not the way they've been trained to lead in the things of God. We're going to change that. Um, the oppressors said, and whom they might teach. And you could read that word teach as indoctrinate. We're going to change the way they think. Isn't that the way our culture is today? I'm just amazed as I talk to um, Christian young people who think the way of the culture. They just do. They have yielded or the parents have yielded or the parents have t- haven't taught the kids. Uh, this is a prayer request that we that our kids be taught in the ways of the Lord and not and and have enough discernment because they're in God's word and they're taught by their parents have enough discernment to see that the culture is not right. That the cult, I mean, there may be some right things in the culture, but where it violates God's word, they ought to be able to see that. Um, they might teach or indoctrinate the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Hmm. So, and I'm going to wind this up because there's so much I'd like to say here. But uh, this even goes into the, the matter of the church. This goes, this gives even. I would say um, maybe this is going to sound odd, but improper church culture. So a church that does not value the things that the Lord values, and that's doable and possible and often the case. Parents um, need to teach their kids better, need to teach their kids. Uh, We're not going to church maybe to fill the pews or just for entertainment or to see our friends. We're going for the glory of the Lord. We're not going for a list of do's and don'ts. We're going to know the Lord and, and listen to the, the Lord and be a part of a, a church family. Um, but you could you could have improper church culture, even we'd call it pharisaical church culture. Um, and the strength is not in the culture. The strength is the Lord. I'm afraid sometimes, and I think I've been guilty of this through the years, just come to church and your kids will turn out okay. (laughs) Um, Listen to the youth pastor, parents uh, and kids. No, this is the the strength is the Lord and God's word and not a, not a church. Although the church is a tool of the Lord. Verse five, and the King appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. So this is strategic. This is every day, every day, every day, every day. Okay, this is how our enemy operates on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. Yield to me, yield to me, yield to me. And of the wine which you drank. So this is the norm. Okay, this is this is the norm of success. This is the king's portion. This is the king's diet. You want to be like me? This is what you do. You want to be successful? This is what you do kids. Culture says, you want to be successful? This is what you do. So the uh, so nourishing them three years, the enemy really wasn't any, in, even in any hurry. He knows it will take time. Nourishing them three years that the end of thereof, they might stand before the king. Now let's zip down to verse 8, not because I don't want to pronounce the hard names, but because uh, I'm, I'm looking at my clock here. Um, but Daniel purposed in his heart hmm, that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. This is often the, the familiar text. 
But um, it reminded me yesterday as I heard this of Acts 6, 4, but we will give ourselves, we will give ourselves continually to the prayer and the ministry of the word. So, I mean, this is, um, this is Acts 2. We will devote ourselves to these four things. So this is a, a purposeful, um, he purposed in his heart, he, he resolved. In other words, there was something more important than him. There was something more important than even success. The glory of the Lord was his highest goal and uh, his highest cause. Um, not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs. <laughs> I love this. I mean, okay, that he might not defile himself. I mean, what would it have taken for a guy in captivity to challenge the authority and ask for an exemption? I mean, this is like, you know, some of our kids need to say, school teacher, I don't want to read this book. Or school teacher, I don't want to participate in this. That takes a lot of strength to do that. This is what Daniel's doing. He's asking for an exemption. Why? Because there was something more important than him. God had, verse 9, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. This is, I will end here. I just... I just find this very interesting. Maybe Daniel didn't even know this was happening. But little by little, as this prince, uh, how's it phrased? Uh, the prince of the eunuchs was watching Daniel. Something, something, Daniel's special. Something is inside of Daniel that I don't have inside of me. And somewhere along the way, God is working in his heart. God is bringing him into favor. It reminds me of Acts 2, where the Bible says the apostles are those that were ministering to the 3,000 that just got saved. They had favor with all the people. There was something supernatural, very obvious. And I just want to encourage us today that as we pray, we may not see immediate fruit, but revival is at work. God is at work in revival. God is at work in bringing, bringing people to himself, even if we can't see it. There's change going on in people's hearts, and we ought to keep praying. Um, but I also want to say, if it, uh, we need to get out of our own way. Maybe we need to ask somebody's forgiveness that we've offended, or we need to go back and correct a wrong that we made, or maybe that we've been impatient with somebody, and, and by our humility, they say, you know, that means a lot to me. And God can work in their hearts as God works in our hearts. Maybe even if you're at a restaurant and and um, and you're talking to the the server about uh, something about the Lord, maybe they maybe ask them how you could pray for them. Um, one way of creating a good road for the gospel is to leave a tip, <laughs> and maybe even leave a really good tip. You say, "Well, I don't do that." We'll start, and uh, and maybe don't leave don't leave a tract without a tip. And without a really good tip, um, I'm just I'm just going through the what is it that God uses to work in people's hearts, and we may not even see it. God was working in ways that were incredible for His own glory, and Daniel used various things, even appealing, even being creative, to uh, see God bring him above his culture. 
rise him, is that the word? Raise him above his culture. And may God do that through our prayer call. May it be that we are zealous in our praying and we're just obeying and we're pursuing the glory of the Lord. And it may be tough. It may be plowing and it may be hard, but God is at work. And let's be praying for the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God working in hearts, even if we can't see it happening. And, and may we see it happen. <laughs> okay, we can pray that way. God, would you use our praying? And may we even see you at work. Maybe even bring testimonies to the prayer meeting of how God is at work. And um, I could fill the rest of our time up with some things that have happened the last week of what God is doing. God is at work. And let's keep asking God to work through our praying.